Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Like It or Not, We're Married to Government, this Monday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there had a safe and sane and warm weekend for sure. Well, and I don't think that we have to self-identify anything or, you know, grab a hold of any identity to say that we're married to government. We can proclaim that we're married to government, Mike, because it always comes back and insists it wants half. <laughs> no doubt. And, uh, you know, whether, whether or not you think it's taking half, you know, when you go to the fuel pump, when you, you know, look at your paycheck, the things that are taxed over and over, the cost of living and how much, you know, your housing costs, you know, when it came to not just the property taxes, but all of the things, the governmental costs are saying upwards of 30% yeah. of the cost of... You've of, got all these payroll deductions. It's kind of like you're handing the checkbook over to the wife. <laughs> the ex-wife, right? I don't have any ex-wives, but... Well, you'd like for the government to be an ex-wife. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, we're, I mean, effectively, we are married to government. And government's making lots of decisions for us without our permission, more or less, and, yeah. with, and without real constitutional authority. But anyways, on a lighter note, Mike, I was, I was thinking about something, you know, around Thanksgiving or right after Thanksgiving, you know, everything kind of transitions. Can I use that word? And, <laughs> you know, you take down the fall decor and you remove the leaves and you bring in the snowflakes, right? right. Um, not, not the snowflakes to Biden administration brought in <laughs> but you know snow and and after thanksgiving i used to always on the show for as long as i've been on the show i would start singing uh, the beginning of the song white christmas right oh, or yeah you know i'm dreaming of a white christmas and i haven't I'm done that i'm dreaming of a white christmas exactly now yeah. I haven't had to do that because it's already here. <laughs> Lots of it. No kidding. And it's my understanding. It's not over yet, folks. I mean, we're due to get some more snow well, think, all through the winter this I, year. I think January. Well, and, and our president, you know, one thing that I can say that he's been right on mm-hmm. is that we're looking forward to long, cold, dark winters. So, oh, yeah. you know, that, I guess the president was right on that one. He didn't realize it when he said it, but that has been the case with his presidency. And, you know, so anyhow, it's it's definitely going to be a white Christmas as far as I can tell, unless we have a really, really big warming, you know, phase between now and, and, and then, uh, yeah. December 25th. But anyhow, so we've got some inspirations and then we got to dig into how married we are to government. <laughs> no doubt. Now, when writing my mom's obituary, I felt the word died seemed to final for the hope that I had in our promised reunion in heaven. So I wrote, she was welcomed into the arms of Jesus. Still, some days I grieve when looking at more current family photos and don't include my mom. Recently, though, I discovered a painter who creates a family portrait to include those that we've lost. The artist uses photos of loved ones who have gone before us to paint them into the picture of the family. With strokes of a paintbrush, this artist represents God's promise of a heavenly reunion. I shed grateful tears at the thought of seeing my mom smiling by my side again. The Apostle Paul affirms that believers in Jesus don't have to grieve like the rest of mankind. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Paul acknowledges Jesus' second coming and proclaims that all believers will be reunited with Jesus. 
God's promise of reunion can comfort us when we're grieving the loss of a loved one who has trusted Jesus. Our promised future with our risen King also provides enduring hope when we face our own immortality until the day Jesus comes or calls us home. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. Thank you for giving us an enduring hope to share with others until the day that you call us home or come again. In your son's Jesus name we pray. Amen. Yes, because this life is a temporary condition. It is. <laughs> so, you know, they always talk about how there's, you know, two promises in life. Yeah. And death taxes. De- death and taxes. <laughs> but God has a better promise for us. And so he sent his son for that reason. And that's the season we're going to be celebrating is the birth, the birth of, of Jesus. The birth of Jesus. And, you know, I definitely think that everybody that wants to celebrate that is not celebrating all the things our government is funding because it seems like we have a government that is more and more worshiping a different king. Yes, unfortunately so. Sometimes that could be in the form of money, greed, you know. (laughs) Power. Power, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And power corrupts, folks, I'm telling you. Now, Democrats succumb to political reality on same-sex marriage bill. Okay, and there is definitely going to be more that comes out with regard to the same-sex marriage bill. It is definitely being hotly contested right now. I don't. It's not even a same-sex marriage bill. I think that basically the wording they're shooting for is, you know, the people that want to marry their pets and stuff. Right, and as well, I mean, there's definitely a little bit of balance there uh, to protect religious freedoms and religious right. So anyway, the Senate's Respect for Marriage Act has progressives arguing that efforts to safeguard same-sex unions remain unfinished after concessions were made to Republican demands for bolstered religious liberty protections. The bill, as it currently stands, would officially repeal the Defense of Marriage Act and require state recognition of legal same-sex and interracial marriages, but would not codify the Supreme Court's 2015 ruling in Obergefell v. Hodges that legalized same-sex unions nationwide or prevent the high court from eventually overturning the landmark decision. It would be great if the bill went further, but we don't have the votes for the bill to go further, according to Senator Brian Schatz, Democrat out of Hawaii. Now, Schatz spoke during a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee on Commerce, Justice, Science, and Related Agencies hearing on Capitol Hill in Washington on February 1st of 2022. I think this is an enormously important first step, and I don't think that there are any guarantees that the Supreme Court will not overturn the precedent that they set recently with Obergefell. So this is important to protect the rights of same-sex couples across the country. The Obergefell ruling barred states from enforcing statutes and constitutional amendments banning same-sex marriage. Should the Supreme Court overturn the ruling, as it did with Roe v. Wade, and the right to abortion, the issue of same-sex marriages would be returned to the states. The Respect for Marriage Act requires states to recognize same-sex marriages, but does not go as far as Obergefell in requiring that states perform marriages. Now, Senator Elizabeth Warren, a leading progressive, (laughs) I got to laugh at that one, called the legislation a positive first step, but said we've got more work to do when it comes to preserving equal marriage rights. However, the possibility of going further in the immediate future is remote, given that the House Republicans are set to retake the chamber in January. I want to see the day when we have 100 votes in favor of no discrimination, not just for who we love, but also in any activity, Elizabeth Warren says. Now, here's 
the problem with this, like the first part of the article was talking about, if the courts were to overturn that decision, Obergefell, it yeah. would return the issue back to the states. And the Constitution really doesn't put all of this stuff in the federal government's toolbox, if you will, where, you know, states were supposed to be able to have pretty broad differences in their decisions on on legal matters right and the federal government just keeps growing and growing and growing and digging further and further into americans lives i mean the privacy rights all the other things that are going on out there and most all this stuff is supposed to be up to the states congress should be looking at their laws and looking at how they're doing their own job sure at the federal level i mean when you talk about national security issues you talk about the border you want to talk about foreign relations and things like that they need to start looking at their own backyard and start fixing their problems and and how they're not following the laws the federal government's not following the laws and quit trying to bear down on states and other issues let the courts work those things out and if things go back to the states they go back to the states these are supposed to be federal representatives to a state so you can represent what you want it doesn't mean that you federalize the things that your constituents might want yeah exactly on, right. on every issue it's exactly. commerce on, you know it, all of these issues they should all be dealt with at the state level and if people don't like the state they live in they can move and i'm you know one of those people that i i just prefer my state lines to move <laughs> no doubt that's no doubt because i mean we're already in a blue state oregon's blue california's blue so the west coast is going to be the place to come for all those same-sex marriages i mean especially because i do i really and, don't and, see well, them the happening coast. in red states and, you know parts of the east coast yeah, as well. yeah. And, and again like i said i i don't really see that happening or making its way through state legislatures into the governor's desks in red states they're going to be more attuned and keying on the religious protections and freedoms religious liberties aspect of this rather than the same sex aspect or the gay aspect of this but now we want to or this article is wanting to interject a little something from the lgbt community here ah, okay so naomi goldberg deputy director of the movement advancement project which tracks state and federal legislation affecting the nation's LGBTQ community, told Changing America that the legislation was also constrained by the Constitution. Another reason why the liberals want to get away with it or get rid of it. The bill does not require that every state allows same-sex couples to marry. The federal government can't do that constitutionally, she said. What the Respect for Marriage Act would say is that you must recognize valid marriages regardless of sexual orientation, natural origin, and race. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I don't prefer it, but if you love somebody and they love you back and you want to get married and you can do it well, legally, then more power to you. Well, except the problem is, is marriage is supposed to be about making families. Yes, it is and about the procreation aspect. Yeah. That, so, you know, they've, they've gone back and forth. They created those legal unions, but of course, what we really need to recognize is that by pushing this down everyone's throats, what it means is you can, it's the law of the land, they say, so now you can teach it to the children. And the, uh, we talked the other day about sexualizing children and Planned Parenthood, right? And all the things that they're doing, talking about sexual beings of all ages. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're pushing the limits or beyond the limits as far as I'm concerned with all of these issues and what they're what they're doing is destroying our culture yep. because obviously 
in the past, a marriage was between a man and a woman. That's it. That's it. You can't add, you know, the thruples or the quadruples or the whatever's going on with, you know, what was the FTX guy? <laughs> so, so you don't, that's not, oh, that's, yeah, the, the, what is it? Uh, polyam, polyamorous, something, something. So all of those terms that most people don't even know what they were 20 years ago, most people still don't, right. should not be considered legal unions. We're going down the road of polygamy again. We're going down the road of, you know, the marrying of children, you know, going back to the days of Muhammad. Right. And I, I don't think that's where we want to go as a country. And the federal government needs to leave it up to the states and leave it to local governments to decide on certain things like that. And if you basically what they're saying at the federal level, if the state of California recognizes the marriage between an individual and their chihuahua, yeah. if they move to your state, you have to recognize that. I don't think that's the way this goes. No, it's not no, the way it should it, go. No, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I mean, these, these powers should be reserved to the states and the states should be the ones to make the decisions on those kinds of things. And that opens up another can of worms because again, on, I, I've already stated that but, we're in a blue state. But, but you can't open so, that can until we come back from the break. Oh man. All, All right, right, folks, we'll be back in about a minute or so. To our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 1474, located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane, you gotta be there or be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487-3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487-3784. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Like It or Not, We're Married to the Government, this Monday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Yeah, we're, we're married to the government. It was, I think it was a shotgun wedding. <laughs> anyway, like I said, going into the break, man, I know we're in a blue state. I happened to point that out for a specific reason, and that was, look, we can, Christians, conservatives, third-party guys, I mean, we got to get busy. We really do. We got to get busy. We got to identify. We got to bring up good candidates. We got to run those candidates. Those candidates got to win. And then we can start making some changes in Washington state. Right. And, you know, of course, we shouldn't have elections that last for days and weeks. And oh, months. my goodness. And Is the Arizona election done yet? I, Come on. I, I don't know. But it, just right here in Washington, we were talking about our, our local government. You know, it, I think that ballot harvesting is wrong. I think the coercion that's involved is wrong with, you know, certain aspects of that obviously the amount of time and ballots floating around out there and people that buy ballots from people and coerce them to vote because they can because it's legal basically in washington state no matter what if the ballot you know gets filled out and mailed in and signed by someone it's got to be counted so all those things are wrong but the only way we're going to change it and it's kind of terrifying to think of it because the amount of money and resources it takes to run a campaign these days that follows all of the blue state guidelines for elections to win, you got to do the ballot harvesting. You got to do so. You almost need, you know, a conservative party. Is that the Republican Party? I don't know. Um, <laughs> to put together the resources and the Christians, they have networks already. Christian groups and churches and denominations have networks already. Maybe it's time to that uh, Christian churches do ballot harvesting. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, why I not? Think, I think that, you know, other nonprofit organizations, kind of like Black Lives Matter and, you know, many other organizations, Planned Parenthood, they're all engaged in ballot harvesting. Sure. Why with, not? With their groups and their you know, and subsidiaries. It, yeah. And isn't one of the, the core f- principles, if you will, of, of Christianity is, is being out there helping the less fortunate? We are the ones that should be out there le- helping the less fortunate. Well, we should be we out should there. We should be in the old folks' home, you know, helping people to gather vote. up ballots. And, yeah. Oh, right. I, I didn't say that. I just say gather up their ballots that they already voted on. Right, right. Well, <laughs> and and we, maybe that needs to happen in the Christian community all over, too. Yeah. Make sure everyone in the church has is, is, uh, turned out to vote. I mean, you know, there's lots of things you got to do in deno- certain denominations if you're going to make it to heaven. I think voting might want to vote. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. But but that they're going to have to start working out. If you ever want to see a change in a place like Washington State, you know, they say that, you know, if Eastern Washington and Central Washington that vote more conservative leaning turned out in four or five, six percent higher numbers, we wouldn't always have Democrat governor. We wouldn't have a blue state. Sure. So if that's all it takes, then... I don't know, maybe ballot harvesting is what everybody needs to do so that we can stop having to ballot harvest. <laughs> change the change the political dynamics of the state so that we can have elections that happen uh, on election day and no more ballot harvesting. That That's the solution to ballot harvesting is ballot harvesting. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, that's but, a, that but, is a bit weird. But it was kind of like when I was a circle track racer. And the saying was, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> so you had the rules of, of the racetrack, right, right? Right. And so there's unwritten rules too. There's stuff that people do that aren't specifically laid out in the rule book. And the reality is if you see three people doing it and the techs don't do anything about it, if you want to compete with those people, you have to do the same thing. Yep. You betcha. You know, and you know, that's how you end up with different tire sizes. You end up with different techniques on the way you set up your race car to, to compete at a higher level. And I think that the Democrats have done that when it comes to uh, controlling elections. You, you know, you look at what they did in Colorado to turn Colorado blue. You know, there's a book out there, Blueprint for Colorado, and that only touches the surface of what they did in Colorado. And that's what they did in Washington over the decades is just made it harder and harder and harder for Republicans to compete. And instead of whining about it, we've done that for decades now. We got to do what they're doing. Yeah, we do. And, and it's unfortunate and it's difficult to talk a bunch of people into, you know, say, no, 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 you're not getting a ride to go get ice cream unless you give me your ballot. <laughs> you know, that, that's what they do. No, you you're not getting any respect in the union hall. I mean, yep, you bet. wherever it might be that you're going to be, that's the only way we're going to change it, Mike, yep. unfortunately. And it's going to take a concerted effort. People have got to be sick of it and tired i'm not they got to be ready to divorce the state mike <laughs> we were talking we're forcibly married to the state they're taking our money away to fund things that are abhorrent to christians right so we got to take action yes we do and, and how do you do that is it by just encouraging a couple of family members and friends to vote no it's, you know, make sure your pastor's telling people they need a vote. Yep, absolutely. Make sure that you're out there gathering every ballot you possibly can. And, oh, and the other thing they can do is ga- gather every signature they possibly can for the 11 initiatives from Let's Go Washington. 
And if you've got those petitions in hand, you got to get them turned in because what's the date they need those things? It was December 19th is when they're looking for the citizens to turn into them. And then that'll give them the final two weeks of the year to validate signatures, package the initiatives up, and then deliver them to the Secretary of State by the end of the year. Right, right. So we got to get that done. And I'm, I'm, this is a self reminder because I got to pack it, I got to get turned in. <laughs> so we've got to do that. Those are the things that we got to do. And, you know, a citizen's initiative can't be banned from your church. No. So, you know, you can you stand go. outside your church and gather signatures. That, that is exactly right. I mean, you can stand up at the pulpit and talk about that particular issue all day long, beat on the pulpit. Because it's not a candidate. It's, it's not a candidate. It's a, it's a group of issues to change some things in our state. You bet. Anyhow, moving on, because the other portion of government we're married to is not the federal government. It's not the state government, but it's the local government. We are married to a left-leaning city council that has been put into place by Planned Parenthood. <laughs> So if you're a Christian that lives in the city of Spokane, just know that you are, by proxy, married to Planned Parenthood through your government, through your city council. And what are they doing, Mike? Well, it's not that Planned Parenthood is doing anything with what I got in my hot little hands, but I do hold the But their representatives are on city council. Spokane City Council agenda for tonight, December 12th, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the legislative agenda kicking off at 6 p.m. First item on the legislative agenda, we're talking about spending some pretty serious dough in order to deal with overtime. First item, we're talking about Ordinance C, 36341, American Rescue plan is going to fund an uh, increase of $3.7 million in order to take care of the fire department's overtime. Okay. So American rescue plan, that is the COVID money, free fairy dust money, part of our national debt, all the, just this, the tranche of money is just thrown out there. The printing of money, the inflation that we're seeing is because of this creation of, you know, trillions of dollars. Yep. And the city government is using it for not this one-time thing that was to help businesses or, you know, do, do things that would, you know, secure stability for certain sectors of groups, people affected by COVID. This is an ongoing expense. So if the city can't cover how much for the firefighters? It's $3.7 million bucks for the firefighters. $3.7 million for firefighters' budget. Where's this money going to come from next year? That's a real good question. I mean, you know, whatever council, whatever mayor is in place next year, they're going to be faced with the same budget gap, right. okay, on the overtime. And we're talking, you know, about $6 million in overtime. $6 million in overtime. Okay. Well, and, and they got rid of some firefighters recently they did. because and they wouldn't take yeah. the vaccine. So some of this overtime cost is due to the, the COVID, I guess. Yeah, you COVID could policies say, and restrictions. they've got rid of them because they wouldn't yeah. take the vaccine. But I also think that those mandates make it harder for them to hire as well. Yes, uh, they do. But people should know that the, this overtime cost, it also has to do with the union negotiations in the past because we're married to the city government and the city government signs contracts with the firefighters union. Yes, they do. And they happen to sign contracts that are extremely generous. I think the highest paid individuals in our city government are firefighters. Uh, the fire chief and the police chief, yeah. 
Right, but yeah, traditionally, but, yeah, that's but the fire, case. Firefighter, other than uh, like administrative staff and things for your baseline workers, firefighters make more than anyone else in the city. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. When you add on the overtime and whatnot on an annual basis, oh, you, you got, got you got ten or fifteen firefighters that are making you know over two hundred grand a year. Right, easy. So, and you've got we had actually a recent article that we covered a while back about yeah. the overtime costs and how they had firefighters that because they were taking extra shifts because I think collectively it's like nine days that a firefighter actually works because they work a 24-hour shift yeah and the way they got that lined out it's not like the police i think they work 10-hour shifts and and then go home so they're working you know a a five-day work week if you will whereas the firefighters it's like nine total days uh, in some months that they have to work so they're making six figures because of the overtime yeah and so that's your city government you're married to making financial decisions. So we're using bailout money from COVID, $3.6 million. $3.7 million for Se- the firefighters. And then the next line item is $2.5 million for the police. Okay. So where are we cover their overtime. So again, when you combine those two, man, we're talking, you know, a $6, $6 million, million dollar hole. So $6 million plus dollar hole, where's that going to come from next year, folks? We got to start paying attention to our city government because they're going to take that money from us. And if you divide that dollar amount by every citizen in the city, they're going to start taking lots more money from us. That's absolutely correct. And I'll tell you, they are not going to be recouping that in the revenue that's going to be generated by the 1% property tax that they just got done, you know, overturning the veto of the mayor and voting in. Well, they're going to be coming back. Because that's less than a half a million dollars a year. They're going now, to be, where are you going to get the other five and a half million dollars right. to pl- plug the gap? Well, You're going to have to start creating new revenue programs. They're going to be coming back and hitting us with, you know, a higher tax for emergency response. Yeah absolutely man okay what else the city council got going on there well there's a couple of refiguring of positions in the performance management office we're talking about a senior project manager position decreasing the appropriation by thirty-one thousand bucks they're going to be decreasing another appropriation for continuous improvement analysts by thirty-one thousand bucks so it sounds as though they are redirecting these funds into again the same department but a different function because 62000 bucks is going to be an increased appropriation for contractual services. So what it looks like to me, Tim, is the city originally started out with a performance management fund office that was staffed by a senior project manager and a continuous improvement analyst. They've done away with those two positions and they're going to contract out for the service yeah. to the tune of $62,000. Yeah, they're just going to contract out to it. And they've been doing that on a number of different items, So, but they're definitely not reducing the size of the budget you bet they are also the city council is also supposed to be passing the over one billion dollar city budget tonight also the last opportunity to take any suggestions complaints ideas on the city budget occurred last monday the 5th so everybody is just out of luck on that one Now, one of the other things that I find real interesting here, and this is going to be foisted up by uh, Beggs and Zapone, they're talking about a resolution, 2022-0107, committing to a goal to achieve zero traffic fatalities and severe injuries among all road users, including people walking, biking, using transit, and driving. Sounds like an impossible goal to me. I think goals should be realistic. They should. 
They should. Because they're not just talking about fatalities. They're also talking about injuries, right? Yeah, they're talking about injuries, too. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to get rid of Uber because, or not Uber, uh, it's uh, the, uh, well, yeah, Uber, too, because they have cars, but the bike thing, because people get injured on those scooters. What, the Lime scooters? Yeah. Yeah, people get injured on the scooters. Well, that's funny because I don't see scooters in this narrative here. (laughs) Maybe they, maybe they purposely excluded scooters. I mean, you go up to, you go up to South Hill or certain places where there's sidewalks because of the trees, the street trees they put on, which we're going back to doing that again street trees everywhere so uh the sidewalks heave up a little bit people trip on them and fall all the time icy conditions you know people you know slip and fall and so having a zero injuries i I mean it's nice to sound fatalities you want to get rid of those but city government can't do that why don't you guys just fill potholes exactly figure out how to fill more potholes figure out how to reduce your budget impact on citizens that are working to death in this forced marriage to government sure find more cops find more firefighters so we don't have to dig so deep in order to plug those budget gaps at the end of the year right for yeah. 3.7 million yeah. bucks for the firefighters yeah. and exactly. two and a half million bucks for the f- police yeah city government should be like focused on those things you bet All of that being said, Mike and Tim are out of here today. We'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.